Well, we're excited about Easter Sunday. How many of you plan to show up and celebrate a little bit with us on Easter? That was not near enough participation. (laughs) Come back again. Thanks, buddy. Easter service is coming. We want you to come. Be a part. Don't come to Easter service alone. Everybody say, I will be here next week. I will bring a friend or seven. You said it. You said it. You said it. You said it. I know sometimes uh, in the Christian world, we treat Easter Sunday as like prom for Christians. Getting all dolled up and it's all about who's wearing what. Friends, next week I'm going to wear a t-shirt and a jeans. Uh, So our dress code around Faith Church is pretty simple. Wear something. That's it. Just clothes on and come. And uh, if you want to dress up, dress up, have fun, celebrate, give God your best. That's awesome. But this is a place that no matter where you're at, what you're walking through, there's a place you can belong. And we're here to celebrate Jesus. Our focus is on our Savior, not on our fashion. And we're going to give him everything that we got. Amen. Hey, uh, today I want to bring a message to you entitled Unforgettable Voices. Unforgettable Voices. How many of you have that that one person in your life, no matter uh, how far away they are, if they pick up the phone or not, the minute you hear their voice, you know exactly who they are. It is unmistakable, unforgettable, those voices in our lives that help us to always know kind of who they are and what they're going. Uh, My wife has a very distinct voice. I've learned to listen to it most days. Uh, But she does. She has a very distinct voice. Uh, The the problem is that her sisters, all three of them, have the same distinct (laughs) voice. And uh, when my daughter, our daughter, our oldest daughter, was just at the age where she was crawling around, we were actually visiting and all the sisters were in one room and my daughter was crawling trying to find her mom. And they said, Alyssa, and she looked up and everybody was laughing and they all have blonde hair and they're all tall. And so she's looking up, they all look the same, they all sound the same. And she had this fearful look on her face like, I have no idea which one of you is my mom. What did you put in my milk? I'm not sure what is happening here. And she was a little bit confused because it sounded all the same to her. There was not a distinctness to the voice that she had yet learned to clarify. And I think for a lot of us, if I could be so bold as to say, when it comes to hearing God and discerning what God is saying, a lot of us are confused. A lot of us are are having trouble distinguishing, is that God or was that just like my own thoughts? Like, is that, is that a good idea or was that like God giving me an idea? We, we, we sometimes think about, well, if it's good and it's something I want and it's an open door, then it must be God. But what if it's not? Sometimes we, we have a hard time trying to distinguish God's voice because we have so many other voices. And for so many of us, we could hear God, but then our, our, our parents would speak. And even though we're 40 years old, our parents start talking to us. We still think that that must be God's voice and because it's not lining up with what we thought God was saying, but it's what they were saying. And we're trying to figure out, is that God or is that me? Is that them? Is it, what is the deal? And we're trying to hear God, but... We have this confusion, this lack of clarity. We're, we're missing some things along the way. I, I had a friend one time. Uh, I have friends many times. <laughs> but one particular time, I was talking with a friend of mine. And uh, she was, uh, she's Dutch. 
she's from Holland area, and uh, she was in school with us. And I asked her one day, I said, hey, you speak English and you speak Dutch. Uh, when God talks to you, what language does he use? <laughs> like, does he speak Dutch to you or does he speak English to you? She was like, I've never thought about it. I'm like, how can you not think about this? I, surely it's something distinguishable. And she had never really put thought. She just understood some things. And, and if we're going to be really, really honest, friends, uh, for those of you that, that have been walking with God for a little while, let, let, can we just be honest for a second and admit that when we start talking about hearing God's voice to people who are kind of new to faith or outside of faith, that's just weird? Like, what do you, what do you mean? You, you hear voices? Like, in your head? All right. We're like, was it loud? Like, I don't, like, it just is a little bit different. But there's nothing that can substitute, friends, for hearing the voice of God for yourself. There's something important about it. See, because we don't need more human wisdom. We don't need more good ideas. We don't really need even uh, more details of strategies of how to live. Our... What you need is to hear God who created you, who has a plan for your life. You need to learn to hear his voice for yourself. As available as I'd like to be and as much as I want to help you grow in your faith, you're not calling me whenever you want. You need to talk to God on your own. We, we want you to learn to develop this ability to hear from God. And, and all cards on the table today. I believe every person who's put their faith in Jesus can learn to hear God speak to them personally. And today I'm going to tell you, tell you how and why. You need and can learn to hear from God because God's desire is to speak to you. We're going to go to John chapter 10. If you have a copy of scripture, flip over to John chapter 10. Uh, if you've got your digital device, you can log on to faithchurchks.org and uh, click that second card. It says Sunday Sermon Notes. You can click right into that and watch it uh, follow right along with us. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1. In this series, we've been looking at seven statements that Jesus made about himself, seven identity statements. He said, I am this. Last week we talked about how Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we looked at how God's word fuels our spiritual and personal lives. There's, there's, a, there's a fuel that takes place when we read God's word. We're going to look at two statements today uh, that kind of go hand in hand and they're inexchangeable and he talks about them in the same context. So we're going to take them both and talk about them together uh, this morning. But the reality was Jesus was making these statements not because people were confused with necessarily who he was. Jesus came and he made these statements so that we could understand who God was. In fact, Jesus came and in the statements that he makes today in particular were to help us have a place or to come to a point in our lives where we begin to see God not as some being or some power or some sovereign uh, entity, but we would begin to see God as our Father. That we would begin to have this personal connection with God, us to Him directly. No intermediary, nobody standing in there trying to interpret. You and God, personal connection, communication, and relationship. And at the foundation of every strong, healthy relationship is good communication. Communication is a 
two-way street. It's not just talking to God, telling God things, but it's also listening to God. Some of you are frustrated in your relationships because all of the talking is happening and there's not a lot of listening taking place. You don't have to say amen or elbow anybody, just eyes straight forward and I know. I know. It's a two-way street and when you can learn to talk to God and listen to God, your relationship flourishes in a whole new way. And that's what Jesus came to help us understand and see. So John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, if you're there, say, I'm there. John 10, starting in verse 1, Jesus is talking and he says this, Very truly, not very almost true, not, not maybe, but very truly, I tell you, you Pharisees, you religious people, those of you that have been around the block a few times, very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheep by the pen, uh, by the gate, and climbs by in another way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep. Come on. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Check out the relationship. I hope you're picking it up, that that connection that takes place. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. Underline that phrase. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Everybody say, stranger danger. Come on. It works in the spirit, in your heart, and in your life, just like it does when you're teaching your kids to be wise. Verse 6, Jesus used this figure of speech, the shepherd and sheep, voice, thief, robber, figure of speech, but the Pharisees, they still didn't understand what he was trying to say. We can be in good company, right? Sometimes we're hearing God and we still don't understand what he's trying to say. I do not understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Verse 7, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I'm the gate. I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. And whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Find pasture. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. There's a peace and a pasture and a place that Jesus wants to lead us to. How does he lead us? He leads us with his voice. So we've got to learn how to hear his voice. He goes on to say, the thief comes, in case you were wondering, the thief comes to steal. Oh, he's going to kill. And he wants to destroy. But on the flip side, I've come that you might have life And life to the full. Some versions say life abundantly. Let me say it like this. God wants you to win. He wants your life to flourish in every arena. In your finances, in your relationships, in your own personal walk with God, in your work environments, in your business that you oversee. God wants your life to flourish in your front yard so the grass is green. Come on, Jesus, I'll take that. Word from you, green, lush, I'll take that one. I want my yard to flourish. 
All right, maybe that's a little taking it out of context, but it's all right. I've still got faith. A green grass this year. We're going to see it, Jesus. He wants you to win in your life. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Skip to verse 14. Jesus is still talking. He says, hey, listen, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name and my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I want to share a few things with you and point out three thoughts today from this text that Jesus made two I am statements. He said, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I want to share a couple thoughts with you this morning. A few thoughts, three actually, to help us understand how we can flourish in our life. Because Jesus said, I've come so that you can have life to the full. So your life flourishes. And I want to show you how to do that. And it all starts with hearing God's voice. The first thing Jesus says in this that we want to understand today is that Jesus said, I am the gate. Jesus is your gate. He's your gate. Now, don't, don't, don't think beyond that. He's your gate. What do gates do? They give you access. Gates are the entry point where you access through. When we lived in North Carolina, we would visit some friends, and they happened to live in a gated community. You would drive up to the gate, and you couldn't get into the community unless you went through the Very good. So you're picking it up. You had to go through the gate. There was a code that you could type in that would automatically open the gate. But if you didn't know that code per se, you had to talk to the man in the booth and he would ask you, who are you and who do you know? And when you told him who you knew and who you were there to see, he would then open the gate. Jesus is your gate. He's the one that gives you access to God. Because of Jesus... You have access to God directly. You don't need nobody standing in the middle. You don't need a priest to tell you and interpret for you. You can go and you can talk to God anytime, any place, and he will talk to you. Why? Because Jesus gave you access. Because he's the gate. He's the gate. Check out Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 18. For through him, being Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Who's the both that... They say, well, Paul's writing it and he's saying, I have access and you have access. We both have access. Why? Because we got the same spirit on the inside. First John says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And anybody who's put their faith in Jesus, God's spirit lives in you. Friends, you got access. You have access to God directly. You can go directly to God. Why? Because Jesus is the gate that gives you access. But gates also offer protection and keep things out. Gates are also there to kind of to, to run interference on some things. Gates are there to, to kind of protect, to, to make sure. See, the, the gatekeeper is the one who makes sure things that are harmful to the citizens in the community don't get into the community. They're an advocate of sorts. They're an advocate of sorts. Uh, let me read you scripture. First John 2 and verse 1 says this. My dear children, I'm, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, because I will, and because you will, just keep breathing, and you will. It's going to happen. You're going to sin. 
But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Jesus being the gate and the gatekeeper, he's an advocate on your behalf. He's an advocate for you. Here in, uh, in the United States, we have child advocacy groups. People who, on behalf of children, plead and go before a judge to make sure that the rights of children are protected. They advocate, they are an advocate on behalf of somebody else. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, advocating, praying for you. Doing things that you can't do on your own, he's up there advocating on your behalf. And so when the enemy tries to bring accusation against you to the judge, to God Almighty, and he says, hey, look, they said they're Christians. They're not acting like Christians. See how bad they, they, they just said a word. That word is not a good word, Jesus. God, that you hear that word that they said, they are evil. There must be filth in their hearts. They're, they are good. You see those thoughts that they're thinking? Those aren't good thoughts. They, they, they're, they're lying. They're cheating. They're stealing. They promised they would never do this thing again, but yet they did it again. Look, 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 look. And when he comes to accuse you before God, Jesus steps in and says, excuse me, I'm here to advocate on their behalf. They're my child back up. And Jesus is the one standing in the throne of God saying, no, they're mine. I'm protecting them. I'm the gate. I'm their advocate. They got access to what we've got and you don't have access to them because I'm the gate. I'm the gatekeeper. You can't get in. Jesus is your gate. He's praying and protecting and he's the one that gives you access. We've got to realize that Jesus is our gate. He's our gate. Here's the second thought today. As we kind of unpack this a little bit. Jesus said, my, my sheep, they know me. And I know them. You know what's cool? Is he takes it a step further and he says, I know them by, by name. You are known before God. God knows who you are. God sees you. He notices you. Other people might overlook you, but God doesn't. He knows exactly where you're at. He sees you. He believes in you. He has good plans for you. Things that he wants your life to flourish. Why? Because he's a loving God. He knows you by name. The question is, are you getting to know your shepherd? If we're going to know somebody, there's a couple things that are real important. Two, two things. You've got to know their voice if you're going to have a relationship with them. And it's important that you know their motives. I mean, because... You got to really know somebody, don't you? You want to know their voice and you want to know their motives. How, how do we get to know the voice of God? Well, God's voice comes in a few ways. Scripture. That's why we talked about reading God's word, why it's so important. Because when you read God's word, you begin to recognize God's voice. That's how you get to know his voice. That's how you get to know your shepherd. Is you begin to read scripture. Not only that, but God will speak through spiritual authorities. I believe that as I'm teaching today, as I'm speaking today, God is speaking some things to your hearts. There's some things that begin to illuminate, things that begin to grow on the inside of you. God speaks through through spiritual authorities. He speaks through visions and pictures. God wants to talk to you. You got to get to know his voice because he'll give you pictures and dreams and uh, understanding of images, thoughts. God will prompt you with a thought, put a thought in your mind to help you start going in a direction God speaks often that way to me personally. 
But then there's a, another way. The, the Bible uses this really biblical term. It's called your inner witness. I, I like to call it your spiritual seamer. It just seems good. Seems wrong. Seems right. Right? Some of us need to develop our seamer. God, want, God, God wants to speak to you, lead you, guide you through your seamer. This internal voice of the Spirit that helps you understand these things. He wants to hear your voice. In 2003, I was uh, finishing up Bible school. And we were in our, our final year. And my wife Amber and I, she wasn't my wife yet. Uh, but we were moving in that direction. And we felt a call to God on our lives for ministry. And, uh, but we really didn't know where that was going to go. We had no idea what it was going to look like. We had no idea. We really just wanted to hear God, but we hadn't heard anything yet. And in 2003, February 2003, we were leading a missions trip. Uh, I was leading a mission trip with some uh, fellow students. And we were in Oxla, Mexico. This is the second time I had ever been to Oxla, Mexico. It's 12 hours into the mountains of Mexico, across the border, by uh, smelly, disgusting, no-shocks vans that you had to travel in. About 20 people in a 15-passenger. It was fantastic. Uh, and so we would travel into these mountains, and we were there. And uh, being one of the leaders, I, I had lots of responsibilities, lots of things that we had to do. And I was really busy during the trip, planning, executing, making sure everybody was where they needed to be, had what they needed, organizing things. And uh, we got to a point in the, 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 it was about midway through, and I was really tired. But it was that morning that the Lord woke me up before my alarm clock. How many of you know God is good? But I don't always like His timing. Like, I wanted to sleep. And the Lord was just kind of prompting me, saying, hey, come outside and spend some time with me. I just felt like I needed to go spend some time with the Lord. And then I remember thinking the thought, Lord, you can speak to me anywhere, like right here. I'm laying in your presence, Jesus, covered by your peace. Why don't you just speak to me as I'm covered up here and laying before you? And the Lord said, get up. And I was like, ah. So I got up, got dressed, went outside. Nobody was really up and moving just yet. Sun was rising, and I was sitting on the balcony in our hotel. And I, I, I just was like, okay, a little bit of an attitude, but said, I'm here. What now? And I just had this thought, read on the Holy Spirit. So I started opening up to the book of John, John 13, 14, 15, and 16. And I just started reading it through real slowly. And I felt like the Lord was trying to say something to me. And I just started to say, Lord, I thank you that, that I hear your voice and that you'll speak to me. Your spirit will speak into all truth. And I just was praying and reading, praying and reading, meditating on the word in the scriptures. And I heard this as loud as possible on the inside. But it was loud as can be. It says, keep your eyes open. I'm going to show you things to come today. Just like that. Looked around. It was so loud on the inside, I thought it came from the outside. Nobody else was there. And I thought, all right. So I said, Lord, thanks for that. I don't know what that means, but great. And so I uh, went about the morning, got ready. We went down to breakfast. Got everybody started loading up on the buses. As I was walking onto the bus, I was, uh, we had half our team on the bus, half our team was on. I got onto the bus, and everything in the bus went like bokeh. You know what I'm talking about? Like it went blurry. Everything went blurry except for one seat. And I was like, I think I'll sit there. <laughs> Sat down. 
in the seat next to my friend, started having conversations, went about our thing, started on the drive to our, our first ministry site for the day. And uh, we were driving for about 45 minutes to an hour to get to that next site. And uh, there was a guy who was sitting behind me. His name was Rodney. Rodney uh, was one of the missionaries who was working with that organization. I had met Rodney many times. I'd been on many missions trips with this organization. It's probably about my fourth or fifth one. And so I've known Rodney for years. And uh, he and I just began to talk a little bit. And uh, there's something that starts to stir in my heart. Something passion begins to rise up because we are talking about what does it look like to disciple the church? What does it look like to help Christians take their next step? What does it look like to, to do different things? And so as we, as we got going into this, I began to, to realize that man, God was knitting our hearts together. There's something happening here. And Rodney was just about to leave the missions field for good and move back to Charleston, South Carolina, where his dad pastored a church and he was going to lead their college ministry. And we knew God was tying our hearts together. He was doing something in this conversation. And so Ryan's like, hey, let me get your name, your number. And uh, once I get settled, uh, why, don't, why don't we connect back together? So that sounds great. Our plan right now is to kind of take a year off because we don't really know what's going on. And we're just going to enjoy married life, Jesus. And uh, that's what we were going to do. That was our plan. And uh, just hanging out, not going anywhere, not doing much, uh, not starting anything in ministry. And uh, Rodney's like, cool, I'll give you a call in about a year. It's like, awesome. And so I was like excited. He's like, great, man, maybe we can go to Charleston and work in ministry there. That'd be fun. I love Charleston. It's a beautiful city. It should be great. Fast forward several months, and it's on a Monday, and God starts to speak to me, and there's this impression that I'm getting inside that says, you can't sit out of here. I've got things for you to do. And I'm like, Lord, I, I, I don't know. I, I, Tuesday comes, still the same feeling. Got to do, gotta do something. Can't sit out a year. God's got something for me. Wednesday comes around. I'm sitting there just thinking about what God's saying and doing. And the phone rings. Pick it up. Hello. Hey, Matthew, it's Rodney. Hey, what's up, man? What's God been saying to you lately? Funny thing. Begin to tell him what God is stirring him. He say, hey, here's the deal. I've got a friend who's planning a church in Charlotte. They need a youth pastor. They're looking for somebody who's really great, who's exceptional, who's excellent, who, who comes highly recommended. Do you know anybody like that? And he says, you know what? I only know one person like that, and it's you, and I don't want to tell him about you because I want you to come out here like we talked about, but I can't shake the feeling that I'm supposed to tell him about you. I said, do it. And that began one yet more domino that would eventually cause us to get married in October of 20, 2003, 10, 15 days later, move cross-country to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we would start our ministry, start serving the Lord in the local church for the next 13 years. All started because God interrupted my sleep. But it didn't really start there. See, I had learned and I had practiced how to hear God's voice. And he used Scripture, he used thoughts, he used inner witness, that seamer inside of you, he used pictures, he used it all to get my attention to speak to me. Listen, God wants to speak to you personally. But if you're going to know your shepherd, it's going to start because you get to know his voice. And you've got to not only know his voice, but you've got to know his motives. And in case you were wondering what God's motives are, they're good. Because he came to give you life and life to the full, to have it in full view of what God is doing. Listen, we can't misinterpret what God is up to. He's got something special that he wants to say to you. 
Sometimes you're hearing things or you're sensing things or you're having these thoughts and you're like, I don't know if this is God. Well, does it bring you peace? Does it, does it bring you life? Is it something that's trying to destroy your hope maybe? Maybe it's something that brings you a sense of fear. Is it trying to steal away your peace? Is it something that's trying to kill your desire? If it's on those negative sides, then it's not from God. Because God's motives aren't to steal your dreams. God's motive isn't to kill your hope. God's motive isn't to lie and make you live in fear. That's not from God. You've got to know your shepherd's voice. You've got to know what it sounds like. You've got to know the motives of it. How do we do that? Well, that brings us to our third and final thought. You need a filter. You need somebody to stand and filter all of the things that you have access to. Listen, Jesus filters the voices and he gives you a passage to peace. That's what he does. That's what he does. He's the gate and he's the good shepherd. You have many gates in your life. Your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your thoughts, your heart. All of these gates or entry points need to be guarded. They need to be guarded by the truth of who Jesus is. You need the shepherd to be laying down in the gate of all of those things to filter out the things that you've been saying and doing. All the things that you hear, you are bombarded every day with thoughts. You are bombarded every day with things that you hear. You you watch and you binge watch things all the time. Sometimes we need some filters though. Because otherwise we're just letting toxic things in and we begin to get God's voice confused. 1 Corinthians 10 and 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God, which transcends all of your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, when God is, when Jesus is the guard of your gates, there is peace that he leads you in. There's a calmness there. See, what you need to understand is in that day and age, shepherds would lead their sheep to this pen for the night. And in this pen, it oftentimes was just like a a stone, stacked stone, kind of three quarter of a wall. Sometimes it was wood. But the gate actually wasn't a gate. See, once the sheep were all in, because the shepherd knows them, at night, that was when they were most vulnerable to the attacks. Have you ever noticed that it's at night that your thoughts are the most condemning? Have you ever noticed that it's at night that sometimes you're, you want to say the things and you, you don't have the filter to, to really full out the thought? You, you have less self-control at night? Have you ever noticed those things? That your heart is just aching sometimes at night? See, Jesus knows that. And the shepherd knows that. And he's a good shepherd and he's the gate. And what you need to know is that that opening, although it was always there in the sheep pen, the shepherd, once the sheep were in, would lay down their life at the entry points and would sleep in this position, back up against one, feet on the other. Sheep couldn't get out. They're protected. Ain't nothing bad going to get in. Why? Because the shepherds know that if they're a good shepherd, they're going to lay down their life for the sheep. (laughs) Friends, this Friday, Good Friday, we're going to remember 
that the good shepherd came to the world, laid down his life to provide redemption, to provide hope, to provide healing. He laid down his life. Nobody took up his life. Nobody took away Jesus' life. Jesus laid down his life as the good shepherd. Why? So that you had an advocate. You would have access. You would have somebody to stand. Some way to filter the thoughts. Is that a Jesus thought? Or is that a, a not Jesus thought? Is that God's best trying to come into my mind? Or is that just self condemnation that's showing up? Jesus is the sheep. He's the, he's the shepherd. He's the gatekeeper. He's the filter that you've got to run things through so that you know, so that you know your heavenly father in a good way. He's the one who lays down his life so that you can find real life. This relationship with God, it starts because Jesus is the gatekeeper. And he's the good shepherd and we can know his voice. He might be sitting there saying, Pastor, I I don't think God would would really personally speak to me. Oh, he will. You just got to ask him to. You just got to ask him to. You got to make room. You got to practice hearing God's voice. You got to practice it. If you want to get better at recognizing and knowing God's voice, practice it this week. Here's how. Real simple. Number one, quiet the distractions. Quiet the distractions. Close it all out. Close your eyes. Maybe you're sitting in your kitchen table, sitting in your room. Just quiet all the distractions. Close your eyes. And then second, begin to breathe. Slowly and deeply. Quiet the distractions and breathe. Slowly and deeply. Be at peace for a little bit. Number three, next thing to do, begin to repeat this confession. These words, Jesus, you're my good shepherd. I hear your voice and the voice of any other, I will not follow. Just begin to repeat that to yourself out loud so you can hear it. Jesus, I thank you that you're my good shepherd. I can hear your voice and the voice of any other, I'm not gonna follow. Repeat it three, four, five times. And as you do, you'll begin to sense just the presence of God. You'll begin to sense an awareness that God is with you. Then ask God to speak to you. Jesus, would you speak to me right now? What is it that you want to say to me? I'm listening. Just ask him. Then thoughts, the pictures, the scripture, the might remind you of a message that you heard. Might be an impression that you get. Write it down. Write it down. What if it's wrong? Doesn't matter. Write it down. Here's my journal entry from February of 2003. This one encounter radically changed the trajectory of my life. I could I could take you through this journal and countless others and show you things that God's spoken to me personally about my life, about ministry, about family, about just anything. It's a relationship. It's a conversation. Write it down. And then finally, confirm it. Confirm it with scripture. Check it with maybe a a small group leader or a spiritual authority, somebody that maybe has been walking with God a little bit longer than you'd be like, um, 
I was listening and I felt like God said this to me. Is that right? Does that sound like God to you? Just check it. Guys, it's called practicing hearing God's voice. Practice hearing God. Why? Because he longs to talk to you. He wants to speak directly to you. And it all starts with beginning to practice to hear his voice. God's not going to get mad at you if you get it wrong. God's, God's not grading you to see how quickly you pick up the skill. No. He loves spending time with you. So spend some time with him this week. I want to challenge you. Practice hearing God's voice. Why? Because we don't need more human understanding or wisdom. We need the voice of God in our lives. That loving voice of our heavenly father who knows the beginning from the end, knows you inside and out better than you know your own self. He knows you by name and longs to have a friendship with you personally. And that starts with talking to him, but listening for his voice. Would you stand with me as we come to a point of prayer today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Everybody praying together here in this moment. Just take a moment of prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your word that speaks to us. We ask here in this moment, you would seal something in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you just reveal to us today what it is that you're speaking to us personally? What are you saying to us today? For some of you, it might be a matter of turning away some of the distractions, some of the other voices, some shows that maybe you need to silence in your life. Maybe it's some voices that you need to separate out. Maybe it's some some other thoughts that you've been thinking that you need to give those to the Lord. What is it? What, what is he asking you to? Maybe for you, it's just an invitation that you're hearing this week. Come practice hearing my voice this week. Come hear from heaven this week. Just by way of a point of commitment today, if you're here and say, Pastor, this week, I'm going to practice hearing God's voice. Would you just put a hand up before the Lord and say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to practice hearing God's voice. Thank you. So, Lord, you see these hands. Let it be so, Lord. Speak to us. Encounter. Let May we encounter you. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Still, everybody praying together in this moment. Maybe you're here and you're like, Pastor, I, I'm not in the sheepfold. I've never given my life to Jesus. I've been living my own way. And, and I want a shepherd. I need a shepherd in my life. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to receive what he did at the cross. For me, I, I want to give my life to Jesus and follow him. And you're making a commitment to follow the Lord today. If that's you, would you just put a hand in the air so we can pray together? I'm looking real quick. Thank you so much for that one. Any others, any others, any others say, I want to, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to follow him. Thank you so much, church family. Can we all pray this together out loud so nobody prays by themselves? Can we pray this together? Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to be our shepherd, to be our gatekeeper. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Not in myself, not in my good deeds, in you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me and restoring in me your life. May I flourish as I follow you, my good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with the Lord? Can we celebrate with those who made that commitment?